So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection, now that we're <laughs> connected. <laughs> that word connection, just I knew it was going to be trouble. Uh, we've had a little uh, yeah. a little fun with our technical equipment, and uh, uh, I'm... I'm afraid that for all of our listeners, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful it'll be done for us, but for all of our listeners, there's likely to be some technical difficulties with your computers. Um, I just attended the channeling last night, as a matter of fact, with the professors, and that was the subject. That and the fact that it's Thanksgiving in America today, um, and they were wanting to, you know, be with family for this family holiday, so we had channeling last night, but... Um, apparently this, uh, knocking people offline, like Superstorm Stan- Sandy was knocking a whole area offline, and, uh, there are some upgrades that need to happen in the external world to match our internal changes, and, um, um, as a matter of fact, Mark and Stacy were informed during that channel that they're wireless and modem and stuff were not going to make it. They said, well, it'll get through the show tonight, but don't, you know. Anyway, I, I I suppose I should mention that off to my left, the giggling one is Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm here. here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Yes, normally it doesn't. I'm here. It, I was required by, after we got our connection problem straight, to call into the show after it technically past the start time, and when I do that, as soon as Sally, our little blog talk computer, answers, she informs me, your show will begin in five, four, <laughs> and and I have to call Jane and our guest after I call Sally, so it was, it was fun. Jane came in just in time, I think, to hear your show will go live in, and she started laughing, and, and I, I would imagine that our... Uh, beloved guest who has been with us before, uh, Mr. David Cole. I would imagine that he came in somewhere in the middle of the theme music, but it, it's been one of those evenings. Uh, and uh, uh, maybe when, uh, well, actually two different channeled entities have told me I'm going to be really busy in about a month. So maybe they mean as a computer technician and not as a spiritual counselor. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> And uh, because I do both, 
I, I counsel people and computers. And um, and in fact, my goddaughter's mother's computer has a virus. I was informed today, and she will be bringing it to me tomorrow. So yeah, here we go. <clears throat> as long as they don't make me upgrade to Windows 8, we'll be good. So I just worry about that. Microsoft has a very solid track record of only having every other version of the operating system be worthwhile. So, you know, because there was Windows uh, something. Anyway, um, since we have everybody together on the line, I suppose we should just go ahead and dive right in there. I, 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 I don't know. David, are you with us? Uh, I am, yes, yes. Uh, Yay! Happy Thanksgiving to you and all the U.S. Happy listeners. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Um, okay, so for, for those of our listeners who have not heard um, heard our previous show with uh, David, um, he is a Celtic Christian spiritual advisor, guide. I don't know what you want to call him. Um, I call him a good friend, guide. brother. Uh, Explorer God, yes. Uh, you know, um, I call him a good friend, certainly a brother, um, and and certainly a wise man. Though he might dispute that at some point during the show, <laughs> um, but definitely, definitely a good friend and um, a brother in love. So, um, welcome to the show, my friend. I'm so glad, so glad to have you back, especially on the United States Thanksgiving weekend. I can't think of a better guest to have on Thanksgiving Day. Um, <laughs> and um, I guess we'll get right off. I'm not going to ask you who the hell you are and what you do, um, but I am because <laughs> well. we've already been there and done that. We've already been there and done that. But if you could just quickly introduce yourself and give our listeners a little bit about what you do, um, just so that those who haven't heard our previous show with you can get an introduction. That would be yeah. awesome. Of course, yeah. Uh, well, I, I work for um, a Celtic Christian community, a dispersed community, so we don't live together, um, uh, called the Community of Aidan and Hilda. Our head office and our own retreat center, our mother house, is on uh, Lindisfarne. It's Holy Island in Northumberland in uh, in the UK. Um, and uh, I do various things. The, the uh, struggle of finding a, a title for me is something that uh, I do as well. <laughs> so when someone says, what do you do for a living? It, it takes me a while to explain. Uh, but yeah, kind of, um, I'm, my title is Explorer Guide because Explorer is, one of the uh, levels of, of uh, commitment to the community. Um, and uh, I, I kind of help people, guide people in uh, developing the way of life that we live by into their everyday life. So kind of getting that sense of spirituality into every day. Uh, but I also do uh, run retreats and um, I uh, teach Christian meditation as well. So, yeah, the brief okay. of what I do. Can you explain to us a little bit about although I'm very familiar with it, I'm sure some of our new, newer listeners um, might not know exactly what Celtic Christianity is. Okay. So if you can explain that. Yeah. Um, Celtic Christianity is uh, the term that's become uh, used for the indigenous uh, Christian spirituality of mainly Britain, but obviously a lot of Northern Europe as well. 
um, the, the, there's two main streams of Christianity in, in the early years, kind of in the first half of the first millennium following uh, the time of Christ. Um, and one obviously was, was uh, the well-known stream that, that came out of the uh, Roman Empire uh, with folk like uh, Augustine uh, who came across Europe and in, into Britain. Um, but there was also uh, another stream of church which has become known as the Celtic Church which uh, was a bit more indigenous, a bit more organic, a bit more uh, expressive uh, of the people rather than uh, the structure and uh, kind of uh, hierarchy of the, the, the Roman Empire's church. So, yeah, it was, it's just the, the indigenous peoples of, of Northern Europe, particularly the British Isles uh, and the Christianity that they had before the Roman Empire came through. So it's really trying to get back to the base message yeah. of what Christianity originally was meant to be. Yes, I think a lot of people these days are um, kind of finding that some of mainstream church isn't really hitting uh, and, and uh, feeding their spirituality. Uh, and so lots of folks have kind of tried to uh, look back to see when there was something that was working, that was authentic, uh, and something that really hits them. Because there's still lots of people in, the, in their, their Christianity are still dedicated to, to following in the ways of Christ, looking at the teachings and life and death and resurrection of Jesus, but not uh, not not quite so hooked in with the, with the mainstream church. So uh, yeah, it's kind of looking back to um, something that was. Uh, in depth, something that was organic, something that was connected with nature, something that was um, connected with the people much more than organization. Perfect. That's um, a fantastic explanation. So now I get to ask the one question that I didn't get to ask because of all the connection problems and all the other hoo-ha that's been going on on this beautiful Thanksgiving Day. Actually, I'm going to ask you two questions. How are you, David? <laughs> I'm I'm well, thank you. Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Excellent. Awesome. And, and um, Thanksgiving, obviously, I know I don't think that you celebrated in the U.K. or not in the same way yeah. that uh, it's celebrated here. Um, but I'm, I'm sure because your work is, is fairly global because you do a lot of work on, on the internet as well. Um, I'm, do you have a message with regards to Thanksgiving, um, for our American listeners and, you know, what, what are you grateful for my friend and, and how important is that magical word gratitude? Yeah, definitely. I I think, uh, firstly we, we need to, um, become more regular in, in a sense of remembering what we can be thankful for. Uh, there, there's so much in life in particular uh, and just in, in the world in general that can really draw us down uh, and uh, cause us to focus quite a lot on the negative. And, and uh, I think we, it's great that you, you have a, a, a festival, a, a celebration that makes you kind of focus on, on thankfulness and, and gratitude, as you say. And uh, and I think just just uh, for for life and and for for the friends we have and and the things we can do in that connection with divine as well uh, that we can all be thankful for those things. So I think a message would would simply be just to uh, perhaps practice it a bit more regularly to to remember what we've got to be thankful for. That's perfect way to start a show. That would be my message to my fellow Americans, and everybody as well. Absolutely. Not it is about day. that everyday connection. That's right. 
and and part of that connection is gratitude. Gratitude for um, all all the things in our lives, so especially the little itty bitty ones that um, we take for granted so often, like our ability to connect with our friend in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Just about. Just pick it on me. Yeah. We had we had no, a little no, difficulty I'm, I'm through. No, I, I'm honestly grateful because, I mean, without the technology and, yeah, okay, so the computer thing didn't work, but we were able to figure out the phone thing, so we had something to fall back on. And I'm grateful for that because without yeah. the technology, we couldn't have this conversation. And we do, at this point, I think, tend to take those things for granted. Yeah, and I think we really it's, it's very easy to take the things for granted that we just kind of have in our everyday and and uh, lose that that gratitude. Uh, of everything, not just the technology we have to connect across the world, which is fantastic that we can I can talk to you guys as well, uh, but uh, all the other things that we have in 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 the everyday that uh, just need every now and again our focus to kind of uh, be kind of drawn into the 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 now, the moment that we're in. The now moment. Absolutely. It's just fun to hear um, a Christian. A Celtic Christian um, guide speak about the now moment. Well, come on, that. it's fun That's for you to hear anybody there. that is has anything to do with Christianity talking about the now moment. It it is, it is. Um, but you know that's just because I'm strange and twisted. But <laughs> well, no, I don't think you're strange and twisted at all. There's some strange and twisted things that go on on this planet, but you would not be one of them, at least not on that subject. Uh, but you mentioned earlier meditation, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the reasons that we've joined here tonight. Our, you've written a written a book, haven't you, David? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it's uh, due out um, kind of uh, about the crossover of, of the new year, so somewhere around end of December, first part of January, it will be uh, it will be out. So, yeah, it's uh, it's called the Mystic Path of Meditation. And uh, subtitled "Beginning a Christ-Centered Practice." Well, now I'm curious because <laughs> I'm not always curious, but I'm certainly curious. Um, the title is is one that you know. I mean, it's it's very self-explanatory uh, to me. I was going to say, <laughs> but it's still some. <laughs> Well, to me, yeah, but there are still some out there who have a a hard time equating meditation with, you know, standard Christian practices. So So this is going to be a fun exploration. Yeah, well, obviously you've married them, as they were rightly meant to be married. Um, But let's talk about it, because, you know, it's not not something that's, that's discussed often on this show. Is yeah, I, I just yeah. can I can I just first correct myself? Uh, I gave gave you the slight uh, slightly wrong uh, subtitle. It's called the Mystic Path of Meditation, Beginning a Christ-Centered Journey, not Practice. Right. So the Practice was a was an original title, but Journey is the is the title now. So yes, I mean that's that's partly what what uh, the the book is about. It's 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 uh, one or two of the chapters in particular kind of focus on that sense of people. Um, just not realizing that meditation and Christianity kind of marry up, uh, and it's it's you know what what actually it's a, it's an integral part of Christianity. Um, 
one of the quotes I use at the beginning of one of the chapters is from uh, Teresa of Avila, the 16th century uh, mystic, um, who, who, who began the, uh, the Carmelite movement. And uh, she says, if, you, if you've not yet begun to meditate, I implore you by the love of our Lord not to deprive yourself of so great a good. There's nothing to be afraid of. There is everything to gain. And I think that kind of sums it all up, really. So, yeah, the the beginning of my book, or the first couple of chapters, uh, are really just saying that, uh, kind of uh, um, getting into the, the idea that actually meditation has been seen as something, particularly in the Christian uh, church, uh, as something to kind of be avoided and something that's uh, not really uh, conducive with the, with the uh, following of Christ. Whereas in actual fact, the Bible teaches of it quite a lot and implores us to do it quite a lot and... Uh, there's examples of it of the people in, in scriptures doing it. So, yeah. So that's that's the kind of the beginning of my book. Go on. Sorry. I'm wondering because you, your knowledge of the scriptures is so in depth, um, and I do love I do love having you on the show for that reason. Um, are you able, out of memory or with a quick search, to be able to pull up some of the scriptures that would would back up? Yeah, well, I mean, in 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 Psalms, for example, there's there's numerous times where where it uh, it talks about meditating on on things and on on the word of the Lord, and uh, so on uh, the, the beginning of Psalms, right at the beginning, uh, Psalm one uh, talks about how um, a person who who meditates on uh, the, the the ways of God and and the word of God is like a tree planted by streams of water. So uh, it says in, uh, in Psalms, the man's delight who who's, uh, focuses on, on, on God uh, and meditates on, on his ways day and night, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. So all through the Psalms, there's uh, instances of, of, of meditation being mentioned. Um, but, I mean, for Christians particularly, perhaps one of the, the most important ones is, is uh, the example of, of Jesus himself. Um, uh, and we're told in in, um, in the Gospels that uh, Jesus often, it says, Jesus often kind of withdrew to a lonely place. Um, and uh, what um, what's important in that is kind of getting the, the understanding of the, the words in there. So um, the word that's used for withdraw, for example, is uh, the Greek word is, is the word hypochorio. Uh, and, and that literally means to, to, to go away and, and take a retreat, kind of an, an in-depth contemplative retreat. That's what that word means. So in, in Luke's Gospel, you know, he records that Jesus went off to take uh, an in-depth contemplative retreat on regular occasions. So as Christians, you know, the idea is that we follow the example of the life of Jesus. And so if he went off and did that, then, then we need to do the same. And uh, wouldn't you, uh, I estimate that there are instances where our English translations have the word prayer. Yeah. And, and that in many of those instances, it, it could be almost interchangeable with meditation. Excuse me. Yes, yeah, certainly cont- contemplation. Yeah. Uh, could be used in those, yeah. yeah like, like when Jesus would was in the garden and prayed for hours. It, it, mm. it, it wasn't... When I was a kid growing up in the church that I grew up in, prayer was when you asked God for something. That's right. And yeah. I could never understand how anybody could do that for hours. 
No, uh, and, and it's, it's, it isn't possible. And, and uh, you know, one of the other pieces of scripture is, is uh, where we're instructed to pray without ceasing. So, you know, does that mean you have to talk constantly to God? You know, maybe in your heart, if not out loud. But that, I mean, that's just not possible. You cannot have a a, a constant uh, stream of conversation. So something has to be prayer that is kind of quiet and existence-based rather than just talking to God. And I think that's one of the misconceptions uh, within Christianity for a lot of people still um, that prayer is just about talking to God when in actual fact, you know, it was one of the the ancient forms of of scripture reading, Lectio Divina, which just means uh, divine reading or sacred reading, has uh, a contemplative aspect to it. And, and so it's you know you, you you just dwell on what's been said and you just wait on God, and that's really what Christ-centered meditation is. It's kind of just waiting on that sense of the divine that's around us everywhere to kind of just soak into into our spirits. And uh, so yeah, I bring out a lot of these these aspects in in the book and various different uh, bits of scripture and, and things. Well, I, I'm sure I got to get thrilled. my hands on a copy of this book. <laughs> yeah, I'm thrilled to hear it because. When, that was something weird when I was the church I was raised in. Meditation was something that did something foreign, uh, something that quote others unquote did. I think it still is in a lot of a lot of churches. Yeah, and it still is weird. I mean, I, which again is why I love having you on the show. Um, you're, you're honestly, I've met a couple more of you now. <laughs> But you're one of the few Christians that I would be willing to bring on the show and have this conversation with because I, I, you come from a place of real, true understanding of the scriptures. But then you've spent a lot of time, and this is something that I want to talk about as well, you've spent a lot of time with the scriptures on your own. Um, and and if my understanding of, of your journey is correct, a, a lot of what you are now teaching is from coming from a place of that quiet contemplation with those teachings without you know the interruption and guidance or misguidance in some cases of an outside interpretation uh yeah i mean i certainly spend a lot of time uh just uh being with with god and and, and kind of just uh, dwelling in the scriptures uh on my own but I think I also spend uh, time listening to people who teach and being with people who who also seem to have this same sort of understanding as I do, um, that uh, there is a sense of interpretation to to what the the Christian scriptures say, um, and it's something that the the, the Hebrews uh, the Jews uh, had a good grasp of, um, that they were quite happy for. Uh, for for different rabbis to have different interpretations of one piece of scripture, uh, and I, I, in the Christian church that doesn't seem to be quite so widely accepted. That there seems to be a a need for people to say, well, no, this is uh, what this bit means, and everyone has to see it in the same way. And, and I just don't think that's um, I don't think that's how Hebrew spirituality works. Uh, and, uh, and obviously, you know, Christianity is a, uh, an extended part of the Judaic faith. It's, it's kind of a messianic part of the Judaic faith. So, we need to get back to uh, a sense of our Jewish roots as well, 
Um, and, and it's interesting you brought that up because I had, I had a, a really um, enlightening encounter um, with a follower of Judaism, and she taught me a shocking truth, which was that her rabbi and, and several other rabbis that she's spoken to um, encourage not just conversation with God, but an argument. She said, you know, um, we're encouraged to to have that ongoing debate. If we question something, that's that's a positive thing. And we're taught that that's okay. Uh, and, and that really kind of opened my eyes to a different way of, of a different direction in that um, conversation. And it's not just about complete and utter obedience. It's, it's really about an, a two-way conversation that, you know, I'm going to speak, you're going to listen, I'm going to ask questions, you're going to answer them. Um, you might even ask a question, I'm going to answer it. And, and she said that that's what, they're, that's what they're taught and encouraged to do. Yeah, I think, I think questioning is an incredibly important part. Uh, and like you say, arguing with God and, and having it out with God. And again, the Psalms is full of this sort of stuff. The Psalms is full of uh, uh, the the idea of, of, of doubt and, and not understanding and kind of getting things out, as it were, it's kind of owning that sense within us that we need to uh, to to get a hold of the, the bad things that happen and the things we don't understand and to question uh, what 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 we what we're taught and and, uh, and to um, yeah, I think I think doubt is an, uh, an important part of faith, uh, and and again, something that's not uh, often found in a Christian church. No, uh, it's such a contradiction to what I was taught. To the to the faith is blind acceptance. Yeah, and yeah. I could never, and I that, could never it, relate it, to that. In our church, that the 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 Bible, and and at the time it was always the King James version of the Bible was the infallible word of god and not to be questioned and it maybe it was cuz i was a kid but i kept thinking to myself but it, some guy wrote this a bunch <laughs> of guys wrote this i'm not arguing with god i'm arguing with them but it's it's not even just the guys that write it it's it's the the sense of 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 uh looking at it from a modern perspective as well we see it from our modern perspective uh, and and uh, we also need to to have a grasp of the cultural understanding of when it was written and who it was written to as well. Uh, oh, so we bless can't you. we can't read modern English translations of the Bible from modern English uh, Westernized Christian understanding. We have to remember that we're reading uh, a translation of Greek and Hebrew from first century Judaism. Do you, Do you mean to say that it might not be advisable to blindly follow a? T- 2,000-year-old book that was written for a completely different way of life? Uh, I'm, I think that uh, blindly doing anything is not advisable. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, studying and, and questioning and uh, looking into uh, what this might really be saying is, is incredibly important. I think that we need to use that intellect uh, and intelligence that, that we have been given uh, to 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 walk out our spiritual path, um, so I, I think you know the the Bible can be, or the Bible is for Christians the foundation of 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 a relationship with God, but it's certainly not the limitation of what God can do and say and uh, how we should be. Right, and it it 
you know, another one of those things that never tallied when I was a kid. Many of the uh, names of great stature in various church uh, uh, churches, various uh, faiths, but, uh, you know, branches of the Christian faith, that was what they did, was sit down and, and, and go, wait a minute, this just, I'm not sure I agree with the way that this has been told to me. And then they went and got the book, and they went and got a translation, and they got this, and then they looked at all this, and they said, oh, I get it now. And they explained it again in what was their contemporary language. Um, and so if these many personages of great stature in the church, if that's what they were doing, I didn't understand why it was, you know, and I was always just told, well, it's because you're not them. I was like, ah, yes, the obvious again. But uh, but it is. It's it's. Uh, I've I've talked to people, and I don't have the the depth of knowledge that you do to be able to to back it up. But that there's many uh, stories that if you don't understand what was going on in the culture at the time, the story just almost doesn't make sense or doesn't yeah. have the same importance or same emphasis that it would to the people 2,000 years ago who would have all just been like, oh, yeah, that, you know, uh, things like oil and foot washing and these things don't make sense to people today necessarily because they don't, it's not part of our society, whereas it was something all of those people dealt with every day. Yeah, definitely, and, and and not only that, but just uh, having an understanding of the, the the Hebrew scriptures, which is what Christians would call the Old Testament, uh, brings a lot of things from the, the New Testament into a new light. So, for example, uh, when Jesus called himself the Good Shepherd in John uh, John's Gospel, um, he was referring back to uh, this 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 grand prophecy that that had been given to Israel about the leaders of Israel being bad shepherds of the people, and that God Himself would come and He would step in and be the good shepherd. There's a whole section in, in the Old Testament. I think it was in Jeremiah, off the top of my head, uh, possibly Ezekiel, uh, about um, this this sense of good and bad shepherds and how God's going to step in because Israel, the people, the leaders of Israel haven't been very good shepherds. They've been bad shepherds. So when Jesus just simply, you know, just says, "I am the good shepherd." Uh, if we don't have that understanding of that section of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, then then we miss a lot of the, the depth of that. Because immediately, as soon as Jesus said, "I am the good shepherd," every Hebrew there would have gone, "Oh yes, he's referring to this." Uh, it's it's called um, uh, a kasha. That's a Hebrew word. It's, it's uh, a kasha, um, which is kind of like a, a mental. Hyperlink, you know, the, the, the blue underlined writing on a on an internet page, where it says something and you can you click on it and there's a hyperlink and it goes to somewhere else and explains that. Well, a kesha is like a a mental version of that. And so as soon as Jesus said, "I am the good shepherd," every Hebrew mind would have gone immediately back to this this passage in the Old Testament. And if we don't understand the Old Testament, if we don't understand the whole of Scripture uh, as a Jewish uh, basis of, of relationship with God, then we do miss a great deal. Yeah, because it is often not reminded to people, but um, but Jesus was, you know, Bethlehem's in Israel. It's it's he was a Jew, and he was certainly raised. It's uh, what when he was young, and his parents realized that he wasn't around, and he was back at the temple discussing discussing not. 
you know, hearing dictated to, but discussing scripture with um, the priests, uh, the rabbis at the temple. Yeah. Um, so it it anything that you have an in depth understanding of or that you're steeped in your 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 community, your society, all the colloquial terms and the catchphrases and the when you speak to people and want to be understood, you often use them. And but if you speak to people that don't understand those um I like to give the example of, you know, try to translate a joke into another language and then tell it and see if it's funny in that other yeah, language. Yeah, or, or colloquialisms. Uh, you know, if you, if you said, you know, when my father saw the phone bill, he hit the roof. Now, you know, you, if you translate that into another language or another time, uh, you, you, you know, if you could take it literally, then, then people would say, well, what a strange custom. And they went up on, on top of the house and started beating their fists on the, on the tiles up there. Even if we know that's not what it means. <laughs> You know, right, but, so, but we know that's not what it means only absolutely. because we know the phrase. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and the scripture yeah, like, is full of those colloquial phrases that we miss because we don't understand them anymore. I, I so understand where you're coming from. It happens to me all the time at home, um, my other half being Quebecois, I, and me using English slang sayings yeah. all the time. And he, sometimes he'll just look at me and go, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. Does that even make sense? Why would somebody do that? Yeah. And I'm just, you know, my daughter and I will laugh. He'll be like, no, dude, it's the same. It's, and he'll just look like, why? <laughs> yeah, like this, I might have a really long day and be tired and say, I'm going to hit the hay. That would yeah. blow people's minds that didn't know what that was. Or even yeah. hit, I'm going to hit the pillow. Yeah. I'd be like, what the pillow the do to you? Did the pillow? Yeah. Why, why, you? why would you yeah. hit the pillow? And, and also just using everyday terminology. So, um, Today, if we were going to write something and we wanted to say, you know, use a simile, we might say, well, it's like a combustion engine. And that's all we would need to say. Uh, because everybody knows how a combustion engine works. You know, you put fuel in it and it, it works and it, on a spark and it, you know, pumps out the power. It can move the car. Um, but in, you know, give another two or three thousand years and nobody's using combustion engines anymore because we've used all the, the fossil fuels up. Uh, and, and they find some writings and, and the teaching just said, it's like a combustion engine you need some kind of explanation and understanding of what that is to be able to get a proper understanding of the rest of the explanation of what's going on. So I, I wouldn't have to explain how a combustion engine works to you now, but in a few thousand years maybe they would need that, but it wouldn't be in my, my letter to you, my writings to you. And and and, and they use that's similarly in, in scripture as well. They, they they use things like that, just everyday right, terminology. It, I... I, I, I you go to a to listen to a pastor somewhere, give a talk on something, and he might say something like, uh, "You know, I got a text the other day that made me think." Yeah. And that's nonsense talk, even to somebody from seventy-five years ago. Yeah. So yeah. You, got, you got a text, and it, because when I was a kid, a text was a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or in, in in an old-fashioned church, and particularly in Brethren church, you say you talk about a text. What you're talking about is a, a chunk of the Bible. So if someone said, I got a text, you know, uh, when I was growing up in the church that, that, that I was taken to as a, as a child, that would mean someone gave me a section of scripture. Right. So it's 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 not something that is particular to Christianity or any, really any historical, if you want to look at historical writings or uh, speeches or 
they're they're filled with things that it's difficult to relate to if you don't discover yeah. the background behind them. Yeah, and and the, the meanings of words as well is is, is important because they change within a culture within their own language. They can they can change their meanings. Um, a great example is uh, is from uh, the theme tune to the Flintstones, um, which is I love the Flintstones. Uh, I was watching the the movie version the other day, and they had that theme tune on. And one of the lines in in the the, the theme tune to the Flintstones, which was obviously back in the fifties and sixties, uh, is that they're going to go out and have a gay old time. So you say that now, if you say to your friend, okay, we're going to go out and have a gay time, it means something a little bit different now, I think, in today's culture than it did back in, in the 50s and the 60s where it meant go out and have you know, a happy time and, and a fun time. Uh, you know, the term gay means something very different now as yes. an immediate context in someone's mind. And that's just in, in one generation. And right. A word has completely changed meaning. And and so it... it that's when I when I say it's wrong to dig up a book from 2,000 years ago and try to live your life by it. I don't mean by the principles necessarily that the that the piece of literature may be trying to convey. And and I do believe that there is you know large amounts of inspired writing in the Bible. Um, I still use it myself. Oh, I, I can grab the Bible and just, a and, and just open it. Within yeah, I can just grab a Bible and just open it and, and find on the page that I open it to often the answer to what I'm pondering. But, uh, you know, so I don't want any hate mail, hate emails about, you know, it, I'm not I'm not I'm not hating on the Bible or, or books that are even older. But, um, you know, I, I was I was in my teenage years, at least before I heard somebody bring up some of the things like. There was more than one word in the ancient that would have been translated into English as love. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what would be translated as the same word in three different passages meant three completely different things to the reader back or to the writer. Well, I think it goes back to the you know, same subject that I talk about often on this show, is that when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Christianity, and I'm sure this applies to all other major religions as well, but the Bible is the one that I, I know best, um, and Christianity is certainly the one that I feel closest to. It, it's, it, it's simply not healthy, I think, for your spiritual growth to just blindly follow the writings on in the book for the sake of the fact that this is the word of God, but to take, to take it within your heart, to have the faith in your heart enough to know that it's okay to go beyond that. It's okay to continue your education beyond those pages. It's okay to research and to compare and to question um, and, and to come up with your own personal private interpretation that, that fits for you and that your heart tells you is the right interpretation of these pages. And that's, I think that's why I, I love having guests like David on the show so much because it's it's not just me sitting here saying, yes, go beyond that. Don't just sit there with your book and say that this is my only guide. Go beyond that. Understand the story behind the story. Well, one know, could say also, meditate on the words. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say, it's also one of the, 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 the strong uh, parts and, uh, and one of the, the benefits of doing that Lectio Divina reading is that you just you sit and, and you pick a very small piece of scripture and you just 
just you just dwell on the words and you just soak it in you soak it in with the 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 sense of the presence of the divine and you sense that the, the uh, just god kind of seeping things into your heart about what this bit of scripture means uh, and it's great to have guidance it's great to have kind of the wisdom and counsel of people who who have studied and spent the years kind of uh thinking and mulling over and questioning and, and doubting and, and going through all that but sometimes you know god can really speak straight into you uh, and and uh, I think in 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 the church and its history, there's kind of been a, a bit of a fear of allowing people to to build their own interpretation because that does kind of give license to people to go off then and do whatever they like. Um, uh, but I also think that's that's really where where God's grace is all about. Uh, God's grace does give us license to go off and make our own thing up. Uh, but it also gives us license to, to be able to say, well, uh, if we understand that the concepts are and the depth and, and, and the, the, the main point of the, the Christian teaching, which is to love uh, other people and to, to, to draw them into that sense of the grace of God, then what we will end up with is actually what, what God designs uh, for, for us anyway. Uh, we, we won't end up with a kind of a selfish, judgmental, uh, group of people um, that's you know you gives you the license to go off and do that but if you sit and you you, you soak in god's presence and you really dwell in, in that sense of the divine then then what you'll end up with is is an, an incredible depth of love and an understanding of god's grace which uh, is just expansive and and uh, um, draws people in mm. and it uh, um you know, it, it not to not to say there aren't there haven't been a very 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 few that have twisted words for their own benefit. Yeah, there was a time when the the, the mass of the population uh, was illiterate; they didn't read, and if they learned to read, they certainly had not had say the equivalent of a university education where they had been exposed to mm. other pieces of information and, and history and things that it would allow them to interpret what someone meant in, in a piece of scripture. And so it's one of those divine upside down backwards that we get on this planet is it it may have started from a point of Yes, but see, you'd, you'd have to understand too that in the original Greek, da 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 da, da mm. and 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 so don't go off and read too much into the direct literal words. Somehow, you know, generations later becomes no, it means what it means, and you can't understand. And um, I don't think that that was necessary. I don't think there were very many uh, scholars of Christian scripture that that would have been that way because they would have been scholars in something else because Christian scripture is just not about that. It's about grace and love. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, 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 and in my book that, that kind of comes out in, in uh, how you can uh, discover that in, in a sense of meditation, how you can discover that sense of, of love and grace and, and a, a spiritual center or the, or the divine image within us by things like practicing the presence of God um, and practicing the character of God uh, and one, one, uh, one part I call practicing the tabernacle of God which is 
uh, tabernacle is, is about kind of the dwelling presence of, of God in you. Uh, and so I think you, you, you kind of you, you grasp those things uh, by by practicing and the sense of meditation and stillness and and quietness with with God. Indeed. Yeah. Yummy. I'm so, so glad we fixed the telecommunication issue. <laughs> Gene says it a lot, but I love having you on too because it. Uh, well, it it. I think there's an awful lot of, could be an awful lot of folks like that were raised, much as I was, that would breathe a sigh of relief to hear. Uh, what we're saying because many, asked the same questions, as, as children when they were told something that just didn't make sense. Uh, to them, and sometimes it's because you don't understand. Sometimes it's because it really didn't make sense the interpretation that you heard, and um, um, and that was often met with, you know, don't you dare, or and, and to the point that people left any study of spirituality or scripture or anything because they decided it was all baloney. Because and 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 I I like them to be able to uh, what would I guess that would be what Mama would call spiritual orphans, eh, Jean? Yeah, because you, yeah. I, I think that's what Mama would call spiritual orphans. It, or one of um, at least one of the meanings of it. Certainly, um, I think I think it just it comes down to, and I, I I don't think it matters what religion, um, what religion it comes from in the beginning is that, at at some point in a person's life, they become disillusioned with things that they've been told that don't ring true to what their heart is telling them to be a truth. And and it's just such a blessing that there are ways for us now to have um, open communication with others from around the world who have the ability to share their unique understanding of some of these teachings. And and that way people can open up that discussion in a safe environment and they can feel a sense of security in questioning and doubting. Because for so long we were told that doubt and, you know, any kind of questioning is simply not acceptable. And I think that... Again, like I say it so often, but we live in remarkable times where it's it's come to the point where questioning is encouraged, and I'm it's it's something else that I'm grateful for is that those discussions are being had around the world now, and it's just complete awesomeness. It's it's a physical manifestation of that divine grace that you speak of, and um, you know, going back to what you said earlier about people not um, not feeling that it was safe to allow people to have, you know, to make those choices, it, you have to remember that that's, that choice is, is what we're taught to be our divine right, and it's called free will. Um, so, you know, that continued exploration and question, questioning is, is always something that I encourage. I, I think it's it's the mainstay of our existence here. I mean, what would life be if we didn't continue to ask those questions? Yeah, I, I think think that that in one sense that there is that uh, kind of the the paradox of of, of faith is that you can't have faith without doubt. Uh, 
because you, you have to firstly doubt that you're alone in the universe and have complete control of everything to first think, well, there may be a God. You have to, you have to doubt that you can do everything on your own to be able to then uh, commit to saying, well, I'm going to uh, seek some kind of divine uh, help with this, whatever you might call that. So I think faith and, and doubt are equal opposites, and, and you can't have one without the other. And we need to continue in our, in our doubts to, to, to enable our faith to, to grow. Uh, and, and we don't ever have all the answers. Uh, and so we need to develop and we need to become more. It's incredible. I find it incredible that uh, so many Christians particularly, but possibly you know, other, other faiths as well, um, will not understand a sense of maturity and understanding. What I mean by that is uh, when, when you first become a Christian or, or, or when you're young or uh, been brought up in a church, someone will teach you that this bit of Scripture means this. And that will always be what it means forever, without any kind of expansion. Uh, and then we just use a, an example um, to kind of explain that a bit. I've got a, a five-year-old son, uh, and when we go out at night and we look at the sky, um, I, I, I talk to him about the stars as twinkly lights in the sky. And that's what they are to him, because that's his level of understanding and, and, and intellectual maturity. Uh, I also have a 10-year-old daughter who, who, in her school system, uh, is studying our solar system uh, and the concept of planets and moons and the, the stars being distant suns, etc. So I can talk to her about the night sky in a slightly a deeper, more expansive way. Uh, and then you have um, people who, who would study cosmology at university and go on to be incredible scientists uh, who understands the night sky as being something even more uh, than than just the kind of concept of planets and stars, etc., and and the sun, um, and we understand and we expect our uh, intellectual growth and maturity to to move on like that. If you had someone at 30, 40, 50 years old, and they still only stood understood the stars as twinkly lights in the sky, you would probably think that there's something not quite right mentally with them. Because um, we expect people to grow in their intellectual maturity. And yet so many people, particularly Christians that I've met, don't expect their spirituality to grow and mature uh, and, and deepen. Uh, and there are things that I, I now think uh, and, I, and I understand which are not completely different to what I used to think, but certainly different enough uh, from a five-year-old's understanding of the night sky and, and someone who's studied cosmology, um, because my my spiritual growth has has been part of my of my life, and 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 so I understand things a bit more, perhaps, and, and I and I expect that in the future, give me another ten, twenty, thirty years, hopefully, that I'll have a completely different understanding to what I have now as well, and I disagree with myself sometimes. Which I think is also quite good. Very good, and but it but it needn't be that when you discover a deeper understanding of some piece that it, you know, the cosmologist can still appreciate the five-year-old's view of Absolutely. twinkly lights and stuff. Absolutely, still go out and and, and enjoy uh, a basic understanding. Just lay on the field and look up at the at the night sky and the stars. Yeah. 
Yeah, and in fact, many of them do, and they enjoy sort of getting away from the depth of it too. But yeah. but it is sort of I like the word you used earlier, where you said a richness. There, there, there. There's so much depth and richness behind some of the concepts that uh, you know you could you could take a paragraph and write three volumes about it. Yeah, well, many people have them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and, what, what, when what, I was a what, kid, I didn't understand that. Yeah, but what I, what I also think is, is is important as well is not just having that that ability to be able to do that and, and this comes out in my, my book as well but to be able to take something or, or even not even a, a section of scripture just a concept of, of a part of the Christian faith and to meditate on that and come out of a meditation with a deeper better understanding rather than it's not just about study necessarily but it's you know yeah. to, to be able to allow the divine to, to open things up to you and so come out of a sense of a time of meditation, a contemplative prayer, with a deeper understanding of something. It's just sometimes it's just an internalization. You just become enlightened into something. You just suddenly go, "Oh yes, that's that's it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I think that's um, a perfect, perfect spot for us for to break. take a quick break. And, and then when we come back, there's. Um, one one of those segments of the Bible, um, one, one scripture in particular, I don't think I got a chance to ask you about the last time, but I'd love to get your thoughts on. Okay. And then um, you can tell us you can tell us where we're going to be able to find your book, and hopefully we'll be able to get you back when your book comes out. And yeah. um, but you can tell us how people can find you and how they can connect with you and all of that neat stuff. Great. Yeah, all of that good stuff. So I'm going to pick tonight music. Uh, we're going to play the other. Cool. We're going to play the other prayer song. Uh, love Earth Prayer. Love, 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 love Earth Prayer. But of course, it is. Based, but you need to pray. Well, <laughs> it's based upon uh, Ho'oponopono, which is part of the Hawaiian spiritual tradition, and right. I think a deep understanding of it would it would apply in the Christian spiritual tradition, but. This one from Larissa Stowe and her Shakti tribe is right out of the book we've been talking about. So Yes, indeed it is. I know exactly what song you're talking about. And it's much on the same subject. It's just instead of earth prayer, it's peace prayer. And um, mm-hmm. uh, peace would be something that every moment of peace and the peace that I have discovered inside are something that I give thanksgiving for every day and um and we certainly could use a, a little more peace in the outside of course we have we have some ceasefires and truces and some things are changing in so many splendid ways uh, rapidly they're even discussing yep. in the newspapers that it might one day be possible to have peace on earth and that's i don't rec- i don't recall that from my childhood it was, Big media said that? There will be war, and there will always be war. It's just the way it is. It's human nature. There's always going to be war. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. See? Right. Have faith in humanity long enough. And I tell you what, they will shine. Oh, Give them yeah. time. Just tell them they're awesome and turn them loose. So yep. this is Larissa Stowe and Absolutely. Shakti Tribe with Peace Prayer. And we'll be back in about five minutes. Stay with us, folks. Uh, no. What did that do? <laughs> 
Hi, welcome back everybody. That was Larissa Stowe and Shakti Tribe with uh, Peace Prayer. And uh, that's right out of the book. What a perfect, perfect song for tonight's show. I'm grateful for Larissa Stowe and the Shakti Tribe. Yeah, yeah. Since it's Thanksgiving and all, I think I'll give thanks for her too because she's just such a blessing to have on this planet. So before we left, I said that I was going to sort of put David on the spot, although I seriously doubt there's much that I could do to ever put him on the spot. <laughs> it's a spot um, that becomes him. But it's a spot that becomes him um, simply because I have so much respect for his knowledge, for the journey that he's taken, um, and for the time that he's taken to have that quiet, introspective, alone time um, with the divine. And the night, tonight's show is not about me, so I'm not going to get into a lot of it. But early on in my journey, during the first um, first book that I published, one particular scripture continued to come up. And it was being used repeatedly by certain people that I encountered along the way, almost as what I would call a weapon. And it's interesting that in, in thinking to ask David about it tonight, I finally found an interpretation that uh, that that describes my understanding of that particular scripture, but this is the only time I've, I've ever read it written that way. And I'm sure it's one that most people will recognize because it's used often, but I'd love to get David's interpretation of it. And, but I'm going to give you both of the translations that um, I'm, you know, the base one that most people know, and the other translation that I just dug up. So it's Proverbs 9:10, and the one that most people know it as, the one that's usually put on little pendants, and you know, you see it all the time, T-shirts, slogans. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. My problem with that is that I can't quite bring myself to fear God. It doesn't sit right with my heart. So this other translation that I found is from the Aramaic Bible in English that was published in 2010. And it says the beginning of wisdom is the awe of the Lord, Jehovah, and the knowledge of the righteous ones is understanding. And that's something I can understand because I'm totally all the time in awe of God. Um, But I don't equate fear with awe. So I'm wondering two things, what your thoughts are on that particular scripture and why you think that we put that word fear in there. It's a very interesting uh, piece because it's, it's, it's not just in that Proverbs, it's, it's in Psalms as well and uh, the concept of it is, is throughout a lot of uh, Torah, a lot of the um, the first five books in the Old Testament, the books of Moses, um, and uh, I think it's 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 one of those passages that that we can look at from our modern perspective of what this this idea of fearing God would mean, and and I think we we get the problem, uh, and I understand that the, the problem you have because I would have the same, or I did have the same problem with this concept of. People continually telling me that this is a God of love, and and uh, and uh, then then we've got to fear this this God of love, and that didn't equate to me. Um, 
and, and we have this, this concept of uh, the fear of God based on the idea that it's, it's connected with this hellfire damnation kind of uh, spirituality. Um, but that's, that's not the kind of understanding that the, the Hebrews would have had, particularly those around uh, in the days of the writings of the Old Testament, in the times of Moses and, and, uh, and David who, who wrote lots of the Psalms. Uh, and Solomon, who wrote many of the Proverbs. Um, the, the concept of, of fear of God um, wouldn't be uh, based around the, the, the sense of hellfire, damnation, of this big judge on a chair that's going to send us to hell. That wasn't a part of their, their concept. Um, I think one, one of the, a, a helpful explanation uh, for me of this verse would be to, to perhaps use something else other than God, but use similar wording or phraseologies uh so to, to say perhaps for example uh the 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 fear of the sea is the beginning of wise sailing so you ask any kind of sailor you, you've got to have a reverence for the the might and the awe and the power of the sea before you can uh kind of get onto a boat and get out into the middle of the atlantic somewhere or sail around the world if you don't respect the sea then then you'll just end up getting wiped out um and and, and 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 I understand that, but my 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 question is why why would we use the word fear? And and is it just simply because, like you said, our our understanding of the word fear now is different than then, or is it that the word was substituted? Because respect for God, yes, I get that. Reverence for God, absolutely. Being in awe of God, constantly. But I I simply cannot accept the word fear as you know, being in alignment with that, that as an explanation. So, and and I, it was never explained to me, you know, I it took me a while to figure that out, and that's how I figured it out on my own. <laughs> um, but it was never explained to me, and I'm, I'm wondering why. Why do we not explain that scripture um, more fully to people? But just to leave it at, at the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom is, is to me a very scary teaching. If that's you know where we stop. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, I think that the understanding of the word uh, is important because it, it's, it's when you're translating things like Hebrew and Greek into English, as, as uh, Rick has already said, you know, we're quite limited um, because love is the example that, that uh, Rick used, and, and there's um, different words for, for love used uh, in, in Greek and. and uh, and we just have that one in English. We have one. So when I would say, you know, to my wife, I love you, and then when I say, oh, I love chocolate, you know, it's the same word, but we understand there's different meanings. But when you, when you again, translating a, a, a passage or a piece of writing, you just have that one word. Um, and and a good example, again, I'll get back to the, 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 the passage, the verse you, you kind of brought up, but a good example of that, that miss concept of, of love is a passage where uh, it's called, entitled in the Bible often Jesus reinstates Peter. So after the resurrection, uh, Jesus says to Peter three times, he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And then, you know, in our scriptures, it says, Jesus asked again, do you love me? Three times. But as you look at the, the Greek in that, the first two times, Jesus is using a particular word for love, and Peter is responding with a different one. And so Peter responds with the word philios, which means 
uh, a, a platonic friendship kind of love, the kind of love he had between you and your best friend. <clears throat> but the first two times when Jesus asks, he's using the word uh, agape, uh, which means a complete and unconditional kind of love. It's a very different kind of love. So you can almost hear the, the, the exasperation in Jesus' voice because he says to Peter, mm-hmm. Peter, do you love me with unconditionalness? And Peter says, I love you as a, as a friend. Do you know that? And so Jesus says, oh, fine, okay. And then he says, do you love me with unconditionalness? Do you agape me? And Peter says again, well, you know, you're my friend. I, I, I love you like a, a friend. And, and Jesus says, fine, you know, feed my sheep or look after my lambs. And you can almost hear exasperation because the third time Jesus says it, he says, okay, do you, do you filios me? Do you love me like a friend then? And then Peter says, look, you know everything. You know that I love you like a friend. And it's, it's missed in that passage just simply because of the translation of the word. And going back to the, the verse you, you, you spoke of, uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10, that, that Hebrew word for, that's translated as fear, um, it, it is often translated as fear, probably most often in, in, in uh, uh, Scripture translated as fear. But in, in Hebrew, the word is, uh, is the word yar. Uh, and it does mean also awesomeness. So it, it has a sense. It's used in, in a similar way to um, the, the awesomeness of a, like a, a sunrise or, or something like that as well. So you kind of have a, have a, a jaw-dropping sense of something greater uh, than, than you. you. You find yourself, uh, you experience yourself as a small, finite being compared to what you're experiencing. Uh, and, and it has that sense to it too. So... I, I, I'm not a Bible translator, uh, so I, I don't know why it's, all, it's more often than not translated as the word fear. Um, but it, it does have, it, it's, it's not necessarily that sense of, you know, like, like a, a fear of the dark or, you know, a, walking down a dark alleyway on your own at night and fear of someone being there to attack you. It's, it's not the same kind of fear. It is that sense of awesomeness, having an awe of, of the the grandeur of divine compared to the finiteness of us. Does that help? Thank you so much. It, thank you, yes. Yeah. And and because again, it wasn't so really much for me. Wouldn't go there it either. Was, no, and it, it wasn't so much for me because I've, I've already taken the journey down that path and, and kind of figured that out on my own without ever having seen the Aramaic Bible translation, which I just saw now for the first time. But it was already an understanding I had figured out. Um how did you but do that? If if I, because I listened to my heart. Um, oh, you I, meditated I on those words. Yes, I meditated I on those words. I was trying to get you to. I, was trying to pull that out. I know I meditated on those words. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's important for some people during their journey to hear confirmation, maybe of what their heart is already telling them is a the truth. And because I'm not nearly as well versed in. Um, in the translations as you are, and I, I honestly wouldn't even know where to go to find that out. It, it was a question that I thought was important to bring up because anybody listening who is who is taking that journey and maybe questioning some of those things, it's one of those scriptures that really can, can snag you. And um, I, I think it's also important uh, to, to, to know where you start from when you try and grasp the concept of God. Uh, and the difficulty is that, that often people start from a concept of, of God being a judge 
and 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 the judgment of God because that's that's what they're taught. You know that, that God's going to judge you for for what you believe and how you believe and if you believe the right thing. And and if you start with a sense of God being this this judge, this you know, and, and the judgment of God, it's very difficult then to grasp the concept of love. Uh, but if you kind of if you turn that around the other way, if you start with the concept that that God is love. Uh, and, and that you're going to have a loving relationship with someone who loves you, then you, you begin to understand that, yeah, actually, in a loving relationship, there, 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 some judgments need to be made of, of how things should be and how things shouldn't be. So in the same way as you, you do with your husband or wife or, or your partner or, or whatever, um, you kind of you, you would start with the love, and then you say, okay, well, well in this relationship, if it's going to work, we're going to have to do this, and, and we can't do that. You know, we can't go off with other people because that won't work. It won't make a loving relationship. Uh, and so if you start off with a sense of uh, the fear of God, this sense of God being this, this, this thing to fear, then it's very difficult to go from there to, to a sense of love. Uh, and I think that the, 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 the teachings throughout the, the history of church uh, have not helped itself in, in trying to uh, engage people with a sense of the love of God and the grace that Jesus came to, to give. Uh, and uh, so I think it's important to, to start from a sense of love and grace, and then you can expand uh, within that and your understandings as you grow. And as you did, you know, you just kind of you spend time with scriptures, you spend time with God, and, and things start to seep into you. And, and during contemplative prayer and meditation, God just is, is allowed to speak. You know, it's 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 going right back to the beginning. What Rick said: prayer has been taught as us talking to God. If we just constantly talk, like I'm doing now, no one can get a word in. So God can't speak back. It's only when we're silent and still that God can speak into our hearts. And and it begins with the the faith and the knowing that He will. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's you know that's the most important part of the journey really is is the understanding that when you ask the question, the answer will be there. Um, so in order to help people to, to make that connection and to encourage them to take that time, how can people find you and where are they going to be able to find your book when it comes out? Because um, always you're somebody that I would I would tell people when they're questioning to to connect with because you're well you're just you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I mean, coming uh, from me it's a huge compliment because what did God say I am um, and that's you know you're you're you. you so how can they find you <laughs> um, okay well Probably the easiest way to find me would be uh, to go to um, www.aidenandhilda, all one word, dot com. Uh, and uh, I'm on that website as, as uh, one of the contacts, Explorer Guide. So if you go to the contacts bit and then click on me, you've either got my email there or uh, if you click on the Facebook link, uh, that'll take you to the Aiden Hilda Facebook page and you can find me on there also. Um, probably the easiest way in a worldwide scale for people to find me. Uh, but uh, the book, um, you, you will be able to get it on Amazon when it comes out, but also uh, it will be available from the publishers, uh, which is anamkarabooks.com. And uh, I, I've uh, hopefully, with my lack of technical abilities, have sent a link, or at least a website, uh, to Rick whilst we've been talking. 
so uh, he can put that up on on your page perhaps there. Absolutely, I've just put uh, yeah. it into the uh, into the chat room for everybody that's here with us this evening, and it will of course be on our archive uh, uh, after the show. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually going to spell that out for people. So it's um, www.anamcharabooks.com. Yeah, yeah. So those are the publishers. That's, that's yeah for for uh, worldwide deliveries. That's that's the place to go to and go to the catalog page there. And you'll also uh, see that, uh, that I have another book on there that's that's not quite finished yet. And that'll be due out kind of next uh, summer or, or fall time, uh, which is less of a teaching book on meditation and more uh, practices and things to to meditate upon as well. So I have a follow up book coming out um, uh, the next year, later on next year as well. So you can see this picture of the front cover of the follow-up book, uh, but uh, I haven't quite finished actually finalizing the, the wording and things in that yet. But Mystic Path of Meditation uh, is is, uh, is due out end of this year or early in the next. That's just lovely. It yeah. absolutely is. And, uh, and is an understanding of meditation that even when I first was learning about meditation, I didn't hear, so... It was very difficult for me to put the two together, and yet I had been taught by a uh, a person in my church who I perhaps was just teaching it in the way that they could figure out how to say it, but they they encouraged, it was one of my uh, Sunday school teachers, it wasn't the pastor of our church, but... Sunday school teacher was the one you went to to study the word. You just you, you heard a pronouncement from the pastor. Um, was pick a time every day, and that you're going to be your 20 minutes with God. Same place in your house, same time every day, 20 minutes, and that's meditation, Contem- yeah. contemplative prayer. You say it so much. It's smoother when you say it. <laughs> it almost everything smoother when it. he says it. <laughs> Just practice of having said the word. <laughs> I could very easily Excuse be me. one of these that complained about Americans butchering English because the British <laughs> just speak it much more. I think it's prettier. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't argue on an American radio station. I would. <laughs> 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 I would. <laughs> Why not? We do it all the time. Um, okay. <laughs> now, being as it's uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend in the states, um, we have to say, of course, thanks, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Um, don't forget that um, that Thanksgiving need not be one day a year. That um, gratitude is really a way of life, and it's an extremely healthy and beneficial way of life, not just beneficial to your own health and well-being, but beneficial to all those that you happen to encounter, touch, and share your space with. Um, and and it is definitely a time to contemplate and reflect on that particular subject and to appreciate our ability to have the time and the space and the freedom for that contemplation. So um, in saying that, 
uh, I'd like to give the floor to David for a second to, you know, one of those, if you have five minutes to say anything to our listeners, what would it be? Well, okay. Um, uh, I think that uh, it's important to ensure that we place a rhythm uh, into our life, into our days, to uh, include a sense of stillness and, and quietness. Uh, Meister Eckhart, a 14th century Christian mystic, said, uh, if God is to speak into your soul, she must be completely still and quiet. Only then can God speak into her. Uh, and I think we need to ensure that in the, the, the frenetic, busy uh, pace of our everyday life, uh, to, to gain that everyday connection, uh, we need to make sure we have that sense of rhythm in our life so we get a sense of stillness and quietness. Uh, and only when we're still and quiet can God deeply and richly speak into our, our souls. Beautiful. There you go. That's it right there. We close up the show. We just play that. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we just play that one line. So thanks for coming, folks. <laughs> Our message here at Everyday Connection is to take time for that everyday connection. That, Darn it. Yeah. Gee. <laughs> but then again, you know. Well, Rick. Why, why do you call it Everyday Connection if you only do it twice a week? <clears throat> well, because the other... Five days of the week, we're taking time to have that everyday connection. Okay. Good answer. That's See, my answer. she does that all the time when I come up with stuff. And she's got great answers. And so do our guests. We're just really blessed here. That's, I'll take really are. being the American representative in the uh, virtual room. I'll, uh, I'll take one of our last four minutes to. To say thank you to all of our listeners, all of our live listeners, all of our podcast and archive listeners, the, the thousands of you that there are every week, um, for listening, for asking questions, and but more importantly than asking questions, uh, seeking answers, because they're there, in there, somewhere, and not to dumb down anything that's been so eloquently put tonight but if you want to do the stars or twinkly lights in the sky thing prayer is you talking to God meditation is God talking to you so how can you have one without the other it's meditation can be active and it can be passive but there there, there has to be that or I recommend that there be that still time Yay, stole a minute. Uh, so, and you still have three left. Tell us what's coming up. Yes, I stole a minute. I said I got four minutes. So uh, next Tuesday, we have another of our loved members of the family, Inez Martin's going to be here. So we're going to have questions and answers. Everybody, uh, if you can, make it live that night because we'd love to get your questions for Inez on uh, uh, her animal communication skills. Ask about your pets, Akashic Records, or just ask a question. She's fielded some – she fields uh-huh. well. Let's just put it that way. She fields well. And yeah, she, she 
she's got a very in-depth, intuitive um, connection. And she will literally take that time with you on the show. If you want to ask a question, she will take that time to have that quiet moment of introspection and she'll pull that, she'll she'll ask the question herself and she'll pull that answer um, for you. If, if you're not able to connect, she'll... Take that moment, yeah. She'll take that moment and connect for you, and and uh, we have yet to see her be anywhere close to to off. I mean, she she's some of the answers that she's or stumped really. She just she amazes everybody who who asks because she's always so accurate, and and some of the stuff her her knowledge is. I mean, you you have to ask yourself how could she possibly know if she wasn't tapping into something something higher, something divine. So uh she's definitely one that if you if you have questions and as usual with our show, no holds bars, no questions are off limits. Although, you know dead relatives and <clears throat> romance questions we do like to keep the to boyfriend bare dead minimum, questions but... <laughs> we call them, yeah. The <laughs> We, we do. We do like to keep will? it Ask on Uncle those. Phil, where is the will? We can't have the money. We, we, yeah, <laughs> we, we don't want to. We don't want to. But if if um if you're serious about this journey and um you're looking for that that immediate guidance that you haven't been able to yourself tap into just yet, um that you will no doubt be able to tap into once David's book is out and you can. <laughs> Learn how to connect that way. Um, if you haven't been able to do that yet, it's a, it's a good show to call into. I have great faith in Inez's ability to pull uh, answers seemingly out of thin air. Yes. Sometimes some very, very thin air. Uh, wait, did I say that? Okay. And then uh, <laughs> Thursday, uh, we're going to have Dr. Scott Werner. Um, he's a medical doctor and um, got cancer and... Medicine said, okay, <laughs> go to Hawaii or something because you're going to die now. And he wasn't willing to take that as the only answer and has had quite a journey and it now shares that with everybody, including his, you know, traditionally trained medical knowledge because he is an MD. He's not practicing. Gave up his license so that he could practice the way he knew healed people because the American Medical Association apparently had a little trouble with that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with that, but maybe we'll ask him. That's You can call and ask that question on Thursday. Uh, but we do have the uh, the weekend. We hope everybody has a beautiful weekend, and, and just know that, uh, that we have gratitude for each and every one of you. Absolutely. And uh, join us Tuesday. Until then. Stay thankful and stay connected. Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.
important book. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.